Welcome to the Brave Parenting Podcast, an examination of the Bible and how parents can apply God's Word to raising kids in a culture saturated with media and technology. We look at everyday issues from a biblical worldview so that you can trust the sufficiency of Scripture and apply its truth to your life as you raise and disciple your kids. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Setup for School series here with Brave Parenting. Man, we are so excited to share with you today an interview with Elizabeth Urbanowitz. She is the founder of Foundation Worldview, a ministry providing worldview curriculum and resources. As an elementary school teacher, Elizabeth saw that children were constantly presented with false ideas, but they didn't have the tools to think carefully and biblically about these ideas. So especially in today's culture where truth is so subjective, Elizabeth's focus on teaching children the value of truth is invaluable. Foundation Worldview has so many resources to offer parents. You know, my kids are almost adults now, but listen, I love Elizabeth's podcasts. They help me think biblically. I can't tell you how much I've learned from her and then shared with y'all on this podcast. It's just the beauty of the body of Christ, sharing their resources. It's so good. One thing that I learned in this interview and absolutely loved that you're going to hear her talk about is how intentional Foundation Worldview is at ensuring their curriculum, which is available online, that it doesn't contribute to the negative effects of screen time. Brave parents, you will love the heart and message of Elizabeth and Foundation Worldview. So without further ado, here is Chelsea and I with Elizabeth Urbanowitz. All right, Elizabeth, thank you for joining us. Go ahead and tell our listeners about who you are and what you do. Yeah, well, first off, thank you so much for having me on today. It's a joy to be with you. And my name is Elizabeth Urbanowitz, and I run Foundation Worldview, which is an organization that's designed to give Christian adults the tools that they need to equip the kids in their care to carefully evaluate every idea they encounter and understand the truth of the biblical worldview. So we primarily do that through creating curriculum that parents can use at home with their kids. It can also be used in a Christian education classroom or in a church setting. And then we also have other resources like a podcast and webinars and book clubs, just trying to give Christian adults the resources that they need um, to make this seamless um, in the lives of the children that God has placed in their care. That's awesome. And you started out as an educator, correct? I did. I did. Yes. I spent the first decade of my professional career as an elementary teacher in a Christian school. That's awesome. That's incredible. I I think we could like stop the podcast right there and be like, everyone just go purchase the curriculum. <laughs> That's incredible. <laughs> But Elizabeth, I would say that one of the strongest arguments or justifications that we hear from parents regarding their kids and media and technology is that they don't want their kids to be behind the curve, right? They don't want them to not be tech savvy is what we hear a lot. But what are the dangers of a child not being equipped with a worldview? Because I think that's a discussion that's not being had among Christian parents right now. Yes. And so... I mean, the long and the short of it is, is our children have a worldview, whether or not we're forming it. <laughs> like they have some worldview. It's not like they just arrive as these blank slates that they're constantly forming their worldview. And what you're really hitting on in this question is that with technology, um, you know, while there are some benefits to it, there also are a lot of dangers to it. And one of the huge dangers is that in one year of our children's lives, you know, even if we severely limit the amount of technology that they're exposed to just in one year of their lives, they're going to be exposed to more competing ideas in that one year than more humans, than, than most humans throughout human history have been exposed to in their entire 
lives simply because of the prevalence of information. And so if we just give our child a device, you know, whether it's a tablet, a smartphone, whether it's even just watching something on a TV where we can see and hear everything that's going on, they're going to be confronted with competing ideas. And if we do not train them with the skills that they need to carefully evaluate the ideas that come their way, what's going to happen is these ideas coming from people who have alternate worldviews are going to be shaping them in very real and foundational and basic ways that are going to take years and years and years of undoing if we are not proactive. (laughs) I can absolutely speak to that because as a foster adoptive parent, Trying to undo the worldview that was set in my kids that came to me anywhere from five to 15. And there's a long time of not being taught a biblical worldview and it's hard. So when you're talking about undoing and resetting, I don't want to say it's impossible, but it is a lot of work. And so we definitely want to encourage parents to to do that hard work early on from the get-go. So would you Yes, and that's actually why we named our company Foundation yes. Worldview. Because you know, foundation just sounds like a really bland name, but I'm like, no, no, I don't mean foundation as in we're an organization or we're a company. I mean foundational foundation as in foundational. Yeah. <laughs> that if we wait until our kids are 10, 12, 15 to start doing this kind of instruction, we're having to tear down so many faulty ways of thinking where if we can be intentional, you know, right from birth <laughs> to build up a positive biblical worldview, we can be formative in our instruction rather than reformative. Yeah, that is so true. So would you say for parents, like, yes, it starts at birth? Well, yes. I mean, even I just think about, I, you know, I'm, I'm not married, so I don't have any children of my own, but I was at the hospital when my oldest nephew was born. And I remember holding him when he was only an hour or two old and just thinking, wow, so much of his worldview is already being formed in this moment from birth that he, you know, the, his brain is being wired to understand that when he cries, when he has a need, that need is met, whether he's fed or he's wrapped in a blanket or he's changed. So even from birth, you know, the hard wiring in our kids' brains is being set to understand, you know, those who are in authority over me, are they people that I can trust or are they people who are just going to ignore my needs? So really even, you know, even from the moment our kids are born, their worldview is being formed in real and, and very, in ways that are very easily solidified. Yeah. That's a really, that's a really great point. And that kind of leads me to sort of question and think about what if the parent, what if the, the parent is a Christian? They love Jesus, they go to church, but their biblical worldview isn't set. They didn't have it necessarily built on a solid foundation, and they sort of maybe ebb and flow a little bit with the ways of culture. Is it something that they have to get themselves set first? I mean, we all we all know, we can say every adult can probably limit, <laughs> put down their smartphone, limit their screen time, you know, spend more time maybe in the Word than on social media. How firm does the parent have to be in order to establish that in your experience? Yeah, that's that's a good question, an important one for us to think through. And I think it's very obvious that we need to be intentional in training ourselves if we want to properly train our children. You know, this was something, it was my fifth year of teaching when I started to see this need in my students that they they had no idea how to evaluate the ideas that they encountered. And then I started to realize, you know what? 
there are certain ways in which I don't think I can do this either. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I just started praying through, you know, Lord, please reveal to me ways in which I'm not living out a biblical worldview. And I was intentional about praying through that, but I didn't just sit there and wait, you know, for the Lord to reveal this to me through osmosis, <laughs> you know, like his Holy Spirit was faithful at convicting me, but I also started reading books. I started taking classes so that I could get equipped myself. Now, one thing that I think it's important for parents to understand is for any listeners who are thinking, oh my goodness, like I've spent, you know, 30, 40, you know, however many years, not really understanding God's word, not really understanding what a biblical worldview is like, it's too late. It's never too late because God's Holy Spirit has done stranger things than completely transform someone, <laughs> you know, like that, that is what God is in the business of doing. He's in the business of making dead people live again. Um, and so it's never too late. And we don't need to wait until we have a perfectly formed biblical worldview before we begin instructing our kids, because we're never going to have a perfectly formed biblical worldview on this side of eternity. We can just start right where we're at. And something that's distinctly biblical is actually modeling confession and repentance. And mm-hmm. so we can go to our kids and say, you know what, for the past five years or 10 years or 15 years, you know what, I don't, I haven't done a really good job at helping you think biblically. And, and I'm sorry. And I've repented of that before God. And will you forgive me? And then explaining how things are going to change because that is distinctly biblical, you know, repenting and confessing of our sins. So I would encourage anyone listening who might be feeling like, Oh, you know, like it's too late, or, you know, I'm discouraged about this to be encouraged that you're hearing this now. And God's Holy spirit is convicting you of this now. And, you know, there's plenty of great resources out there that you can start you know, just listening to this podcast, you know, listening to the Brave Parenting Podcast is a great place to start. And there's so many other resources out there that can really help you along on the journey. That is fantastic. (laughs) I mean, just absolutely fantastic. Elizabeth, you said something earlier that I thought was really great. And you talked about when we were talking about worldview and how it's already being formed. And just recently, the CDC came out with their youth risk behavior survey. And they said that 67% of teen girls feel depressed and hopeless. Is this a lack of worldview problem, a lack of a biblical worldview problem that they're experiencing right now? Um, I think in some ways, yes, because, you know, um, you know, a lot of research has found that the links between depression and teen girls comes from social media, you know, an extended social media time. And when you think about that, what, you know, the way the algorithms are formed on social media is it's constantly pushing teen girls into seeing images that are showing them that they're not enough and that they're never going to be enough and that they have to be like this. And so when we truly understand a biblical worldview, part of part of a biblical worldview is understanding our identity and who we are. And part of understanding biblically who we are is that one, we are not enough. Like we are not enough. Welcome to the club. Like we're not. And it's because we're fallen. It's because we're fallen. But the beautiful thing about the biblical worldview is that Jesus has come in and he is enough in every single way in which we are not enough. And we can never measure up, but you know what? God's love is based on his character, not on our merit. And so we don't ever have to worry about God's love for us changing because no matter what we do or don't, no no matter how we look or how we don't look, you know, or any skills or abilities we have or lack, God's love for us remains the same. And there's such freedom in understanding that, you know what, I am never going to measure up. You know what? I might never feel pretty enough. I might never feel talented enough. And you know what? I feel guilty about things rightly so because I'm a sinner, but you know what? God loves 
me and he sent Jesus to reconcile me to himself. Now, knowing these truths doesn't always mean that our emotions are going to switch right away. We can know the truth, but sometimes it takes a while for our emotions to follow. But the biblical worldview teaches that as well. Like look at the Psalms, you know, that's what happens in the Psalms that the psalmists are constantly pouring out their hearts before the Lord in a really real and raw way and saying exactly what they're feeling. You know, sometimes I feel embarrassed almost reading some of the Psalms. I'm like, oh my goodness, really Lord? Like someone said that, that honestly to you, but then in the end, they always speak to their soul and counsel their soul in the truth of who God is. And so if we can ground our kids in this understanding that, you know what, truths are different than feelings. And sometimes feelings are going to point us toward the truth. Sometimes feelings are going to point us away from the truth. And that's because of Genesis three, we live on the side of the fall, but we always have to be asking ourselves, is this feeling pointing me towards the truth or is it pointing me away from the truth? And then we have to choose to cling to the truth. So I would say, yes, you know, that the, the, the high rates of depression among teenage girls, it is due to a lack of a biblical worldview and an understanding of who they truly are. Yeah. I think it's taking the lessons that not only the learning in like kids ministry at church, but you have to apply them back at home. It has to be in both places. I think a lot of parents, we all know this, they sort of abdicate their role of discipling their children to the church. And that's just not enough. It's taking those messages of identity and who they are, who they are in Christ and recognizing truth versus feeling. That is such a huge thing in this culture right now. But I think there's still always the parent who thinks that I can I can have it both, right? I can I can sort of let them be of the world. I can give them social media and video games in middle school, which is the most formative years of their life. And I can still just talk about Jesus and, you know, ask them to think critically at home. But what do you think? Is it possible? I mean, I love to ask other adults, other professionals in this world. (laughs) Is social media redeemable in that sense that you can have a biblical worldview as a young person and still engage in that space? That's an interesting question. I don't think there's just one answer to it, but I do think the one thing that is across the board is intentionality, is we have to be intentional in whatever decisions we make. Now I can tell you that if I had children and they were in elementary or middle or even high school, I would not allow them to have a smartphone. I would not allow them to be on social media. And if they played video games, it would be for no more than a half hour a day. I can tell you that those are the decisions (laughs) I would personally make for my children. But I think, you know, whether parents choose to say, you know what, we're not going to engage in any of this or we're going to engage in some of this, there has to be intentionality because for the parents that choose to say, you know what, we're not going to engage in any of this. There has to be intentional conversations with kids to understand why it's like, I'm not trying to ruin your life. I'm not trying for us just to be weird, but you know what? We are a Christian family and we are going to look weird to the culture. That's just the way that it is. We're not going to walk around purposely trying to look weird. Like we're not going to like purposely choose the strangest clothing that we have, you know, or choose other language, you know, that's, that's not our goal, but because we're not of the world, we are going to look strange. So if you're a family that chooses not to engage in any technology, there has to be intentional conversations there. And then if you are a family 
who is intentional and saying, you know what, I'm going to allow, you know, maybe once they're 16, I'm going to allow a smartphone. There has to be real intentionality there (laughs) that the smartphone is not allowed in the bedroom. You know, that the smartphone is looked at every night, that there's software on the smartphone, you know, that it's only used for certain things. Or if there are video games that there are, you know, that there's severely limited amounts of time and that you have conversation, you know, what's going on in this video game? How is the creator of this video game viewing the characters in this video game through a biblical lens or through a, through a lens that's completely not biblical. There has to be that intentionality there. But whatever the intentionality is, what we do should look vastly different than what the majority of parents in our culture are doing. And you know what? It should look vastly different than even what the majority of parents in the Christian community are doing because we need to be biblical. And I can say, you know, just from personal experience from my own growing up time, you know, I grew up and my family was very different than like every other family around. And, you know, praise God, myself and my brother and my sister, and then my brother's wife and my sister's husband, they're all walking with the Lord, you know, like all loving Jesus. And my parents would be the first ones to say that that is completely by God's grace. But as one of their children, I can tell you that they were very intentional in every single thing that they did. And sometimes in middle school and high school, it felt like they were trying to ruin my life. And it felt like I was slowly dying from the inside out. But those things that they did intentionally, I know were for my good. And I don't say this with um, this next statement. I don't, I don't say this with any um, gladness, but just, just as a grain of salt, you know, my family is the only one that we know from our church where all of the children today as adults are faithfully walking with Jesus. And I don't say that with any joy, but I say that because I think a huge part of why myself and my two siblings are faithfully walking with Jesus is because of how intentional my parents were in developing a biblical worldview within us and in limiting what we were allowed to engage in that most of our friends were engaged in. Yeah, that is that is abso- absolutely true. A couple episodes ago, um, last month, we interviewed a 18-year-old girl who parents limited um, social media, smartphone, all of it until she was 16. When she had the opportunity at 16, she had accepted Christ and said, you know what? Lord, I think this is going to be the end of me. Like if I do this, if I go ahead and get social mm-hmm. media, and she testifies to the life and the joy and everything that she's experienced. And when I talked to her parents, they said it took so much intentionality. It took so much prayer right. and so much withstanding that struggle because the kids want to be a part of the world. It's hard not to absorb the culture into their worldview and just feel like they have to have it. So what would you say um, in the the mode of intentionality, what would you say is what parents first need to do. Okay, they're hearing this podcast. They never, they've never heard of foundation worldviews before. Maybe they've got some elementary age kids. You know, how do they go about getting started? What does that look like? Yeah, well, I love how you said elementary age kids because we we highly encourage parents, you know, to start in the elementary years or even before then. And so I'm going to share with you some of the resources we have. I do want to say up front, we are not the only resources that are available. So, you know, continue checking out, you know, different resources. Praise God that he has a whole bunch of people, you know, in the world that are seeking to equip parents and Christian leaders. And that's a really good thing. But at Foundation Worldview, what we do is with our curriculums, we create curriculums that parents can go 
through alongside with their kids. Now, this might cause you to laugh a little bit after all that I've just said about um, media. Our curriculums are video-based, <laughs> which sometimes people write in and they're like, wait a minute, you talk a lot about screens and your curriculums are video-based. And there's a reason for that um, because we want to help parents you know, understand these truths. And so we can do the teaching with them. And really the, the main um, you know, downsides of screen effects on children are the fact that it really circumnavigates the prefrontal cortex in their brain so that there's no critical thinking. It's just all entertainment-based and there's no relationship involved, You know that there's no actual person-to-person relationship building where we do just the opposite in our curriculum. We make sure that we're always having kids critical thinking any potential video element that would be a dopamine hit, which is what gets kids addicted. We, we cut out. So actually in our most recent curriculum, our video editing team came back and they just had a graphic of this star that went across the screen every time a scripture verse was there. And I was like, guys, we have to cut that out because that's a dopamine hit. And that is exactly what we're trying to, you know, to circumnavigate here. We don't want that. And so we don't have that in our curriculum. And also you can't just sit your kid down in front of the screen and be like, watch your worldview video. (laughs) We make it so that there's interaction. There's places to stop in the middle of the video where we say, okay, pause this now and talk about this with your child. There has to be person-to-person interaction because truth always involves relationships. So we have a variety of curriculums. We have curriculums um, for little ones on just developing the basics of a biblical worldview, learning the attributes of God. We have curriculums for kids that are eight on up on comparative worldview, understanding different worldviews and how they compare to Christianity. Um, we have this curriculum for eight on up on knowing how to study, how to read, interpret, and apply scripture. And then curriculums for 10 on up on careful thinking, real critical thinking. So those are resources that are available. If a parent is listening and thinking, I don't have time to do a whole curriculum. I don't have any interest in doing a whole curriculum. The place I would recommend that you start with your kids is just on the concept of truth. Because if our kids can understand the concept of truth, they're going to have a paradigm through which to filter everything that they encounter. So with little ones, we recommend you start off just by teaching them the definition that truth is what is real. And then you can play a game with them of true versus not true. And you tell your kids a bunch of sentences and say, okay, if I tell you a sentence that's true, I want you to spread your arms out and yell truth as loud as you can. And if I say a sentence that's not true, I want you to cross your arms like an X and say not true. And then give them a whole bunch of true and not true sentences. The not true, you can make funny like um, like puppies run on the ceiling, you know, something like that so that they'll enjoy it. And then once they have true versus not true down, introduce the concept of feelings that are going to change from person to person, you know, like Mondays are the worst or Mondays are the best or hot weather is the best weather or giraffes are better than elephants, you know, something like that. <laughs> and then introduce feelings into the mix and say, okay, I might tell you a sentence that's true. It might be not true, or it might be feelings. And then when it's feelings, have them hug themselves. So if you can just play this game, it becomes almost like the, like, I'm thinking of an animal game in the car. You know, they just want to play like, let's play the truth or feelings game um, so that they can just consistently be asking themselves anytime they're presented with any idea. Okay. Is that true? Is it not true? Or is it representing how someone feels about something so that they just always have those categories in their mind? So that's the first place that I recommend anybody start. And if you start with four-year-olds, it's way easier than starting with 12-year-olds. <laughs> that is excellent. And I've also, I've, I am signed up for the emails through Foundation Worldview and I love the the extra classes that you give, the the webinars, those have been fantastic. I just watched the one on, is your schedule too busy for Jesus? And mm-hmm. I was highly convicted because I'm working with high schoolers right now. And we see that sports schedules and studying and all those types of things just really hinder, you know, they create an obstacle to spend quality time with the Lord. 
Um, so I would highly recommend the webinars to parents too, to get their feet wet with um, foundation worldview. But I also love in your eight plus curriculum, you have the comparative worldview class and it exposes children to the biblical worldview as well as some the basic beliefs of other competing worldviews. Now, I would say that right now, probably um, the most hostile worldview to Christianity is postmodernism. Do you have any information that would be helpful for us to understand how young kids are exposed to this worldview in media and technology and other worldviews like the spiritual new age? I know that's becoming very popular, um, especially in Europe right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, postmodernism in a very, very basic form. So if there's if there's anybody who's like a doctor of philosophy listening, just know I'm not going to give a doctor of philosophy answer right now. But for the, those of us, everyday average ordinary people, <laughs> um, postmodernism is basically the belief that there is no such thing as absolute truth, or if absolute truth does exist, it's inaccessible to us. You know, that we all just have our own perspectives and those perspectives are formed by our community and it's formed by the language that we use in our community. You know, so we just kind of figure things out on our own, but we can never claim that something is absolutely true or never judge someone else or another culture for what they do because we're just looking for at things from our perspective. It's not true. And I mean, this idea is so prevalent all over the place. And, you know, the idea is that, you know, like we just kind of, you know, we just kind of figure out for ourselves what's right or what's wrong. I mean, any two-year-old already has that worldview. I mean, spend time with any two-year-old and they have already concretely decided that they know what is right and what is wrong. And they love to say the word no more than they say any other word. So, just innately, you know, from our fallen human nature, we kind of have that worldview already. But then so much in the culture and in the media is speaking that to our children. I mean, if you turn on any show, I mean, whether you're watching Disney Plus or you're watching something on Netflix or Amazon Prime, anything, any show for little kids is going to talk to them about being true to themselves and following their heart. You know, I even think of um, you know, the very popular Disney movie Frozen, you know, in Elsa's like coming out song, like she sings no right, no wrong, no rules for me. I'm free. And we as fallen humans have this idea that if there's no right and no wrong and no rules that we are free, where from scripture and when we actually test reality, we know that no rules leads to chaos. It leads to death. That true freedom is living within the boundaries that our creator has wisely established for us. So, you know, this idea, you know, this postmodern idea that there is no truth, you know, that our feelings are the best guide to reality. This is everywhere for our kids, just from their own fallen sin nature. And then from everything that the culture is speaking at them, which is why that activity that I just spoke about, you know, true, not true versus feelings. We want to train kids from the youngest of age to think through that so that they're able to cut through this lie that their feelings are the best and most reliable guide to reality. I really love how intentional you go. I'm going back to what you had talked about a a few minutes ago about how intentional you are with your video making. That is something that people in ministry, especially people like us who are kind of against the whole (laughs) screen internet world, it's a hard balance beam to walk as to how much you engage with it and use it because it's great. It's a great resource to reach people and to deliver content. But I really, I just really appreciate how intentional you are about knowing what can cause a dopamine rush in kids and eliminating that. And that's just so admirable. And I, so I, I thank you for your team's work on that. That's fantastic. And 
when I think about the curriculum, you know, I know that I'm not asking you to like boast about yourself and how great your curriculum is. I know you have a team of people working on it, but I would love to know what kind of feedback you've gotten from parents, um, from students who've grown up, maybe they've done your curriculum. How is it changing their life? Because we know on, on you, hi Chelsea, we know that teaching a, a biblical worldview is essential and that it does work for the better. It creates changed lives through the Holy Spirit. Um, but I'd just love to hear what the people who've done your curriculum have said. Yeah, well, the Lord has been so kind. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm just getting over a cold. <laughs> um, but the Lord has been so kind in sustaining us over the past five years, you know, that this is not false modesty or humility, that it's really been through his provision, oftentimes in miraculous ways that has sustained us. And also just his grace in us being able to hear feedback um, from others. And for me personally, that this um this started off, I never had any dreams of um, leaving teaching and starting a curriculum writing company. Like this was not in my life plan whatsoever, but I just saw this need in my students and I sought to meet it. And when people saw the results, started coming after me and saying, how can we get our hands on this? And I was like, you can't, like I'm a third grade teacher. I'm not a Christian publishing house, you know, go read books, take classes. I'm sure you could do this on your own, but eventually the Lord led me into this. And now last year, so this past school year, was the first year that students who had gone through the initial foundation comparative worldview curriculum with me as a third grade teacher <laughs> um, were in their freshman year of college. And it was really exciting for me because, um, you know, in the past, I've gotten Facebook messages or texts or emails from parents when their kids enter college, just asking me for, for advice and for help, you know, just saying, you know, my child went off to university. They don't believe God exists anymore. Or, you know, my child went off to Christian college and no longer believes the Bible's inspired or, you know, thinks all religions lead to God. And, you know, like, what can I do? And this was the first year where I actually was receiving texts from former students who were like, Hey, I'm in my foundation of Christians thought class. And this professor is totally weaving in postmodern philosophy in with biblical theology. Like what's going on here? And I'm just like, oh, praise the Lord <laughs> that you're praise, recognizing yes. this. And so it was exciting for me to see that, you know, the, the training that they had received at the ages of eight, nine, or 10 was sticking with them. And it was, they were taking it with them, whether it was the secular university classroom or even the Christian university classroom and their professors, you know, were just weaving unbiblical ideas into their teaching. So that was really exciting. And then as a company, you know, we love hearing testimonials from families, just of how the materials have impacted their children. And so one story that sticks out is one mom wrote in and she said that her family had just moved to a new location and they were looking for a church and her daughters went to a Sunday school class. And I don't know how this came up because this was not the Sunday school lesson, but one of the boys in the class asked, do Christians and Muslims worship the same God? And the Sunday school teacher was kind of like, well, I'm, I'm not really sure about that. I've never thought about that before. And she told me that her daughters came back after class and her older daughter, who I think was in fifth grade said, well, I didn't share everything that I knew. Cause I didn't want to seem like I was trying to take over the class. She's like, but I did explain some of the basic differences between what the Bible and the Quran teach and how they don't present God in the same way. And so it's just so exciting, you know, to hear these things and the way that these kids are prepared for this, you know, and other parents write in just about how their family movie nights have completely changed, you know, because they're watching a movie and, you know, their kids are the ones that are like, wait, wait, pause that, pause that. <laughs> you know, they don't have to say, let's pause this and talk about this. Their kids are like, whoa, 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 pause that. This is coming from that worldview. And so it's just so exciting to see that when kids are trained 
to think well and to think biblically, that they're able to take that and then run with it. And then one of the effects that I didn't even anticipate, but that happened very clearly when I was just teaching this in my own classroom is that upper grade teachers, they were coming down to me and were like, okay, these students that are coming from your class, like they're thinking more deeply about history and mathematics and science than I ever have. Like, what are you doing? And I was like, I kind of don't know. Like, I'm not exactly sure what's going on here. But what I found was you know, our kids just with the American education system, they're so used to be stuck. They're so used to being pumped full of content. You know, we're just like, memorize this, memorize this, know this, know this, there's a test, you know, make sure you have this. We don't really teach them how to think very well. Where once these students in my classroom were taught how to think well, they were like, wait a minute, I'm not supposed to just sit here and like receive this content. Like I have a responsibility to evaluate. Is this true or is this not true? So their ownership of their education was completely transformed. So that was like a really fun, unexpected side effect of teaching them how to think well. I I mean, thinking about that, you know, one of the biggest struggles in parenting is just assurance. Are my kids going to be okay? Are they going to be able to make it once they leave my house? And for the mom who had her daughter come back and say she could explain the difference between Christianity and the Quran, I can't think of a greater assurance, you know, to know that she would be able to not be deceived, not be taken captive. Um, I I hear so many parents, you know, working with high schoolers, I I don't know if they're going to be okay. I don't know if they're going to make it. And we just want so much assurance. And I love that worldview can provide that for them and also provide it for parents as well. But I'm kind of curious for the parents who have used your curriculum um, with their kids. Have you had any testimonies back from the parents themselves saying this? I actually learned with my kids like I because I'm a homeschool mom. So a lot of the times when I jumped into curriculum with my kids, I literally just didn't know what I was doing. Like, But I was like, I know that I have to teach you. I know that this is what the Lord has called us to do. <laughs> like, um, and it's just kind of like fearful obedience, you know, um, but I it was always I was always better for it on the other side of it. So I'm kind of curious if you've gotten testimonies back from parents about using your curriculum. Yes, we hear that a lot. Um, And if anybody's interested, you can just hop on our website, foundationworldview.com, and you can go to reviews. And so people, you know, have just written their honest reviews there. We don't, we don't um, delete the negative ones. So they're all, (laughs) they're all honest reviews um, on there. But a lot of parents do say that they have learned right alongside their kids. And that, in all honesty, was the reason for why we chose to do video-based curriculum. Because I know for myself as a teacher, anytime I was asked to teach a subject that I myself was not an expert in, it was so so intimidated because I was just always thinking like, what if the kids ask me a question that I don't know the answer to? And like, how am I going to be able to fake it? You know, I can pretend like I know what I'm talking about. And for me, that subject was spelling because I grew up in the whole language era where it was like, we're not going to teach them phonics. We're not going to teach them how to decode words. We're just going to throw them in a text rich environment and they're going to learn. And for some kids that work for me, it didn't like my mom spent the summer of my first grade year teaching me how to read at home because it just didn't work for me. And I didn't know how to spell even when I was teaching, like my first years of teaching kids would be like, miss, miss you. How do you spell this? I'll be like, I don't know. Go ask David. He's really good at spelling. Like I have no idea. (laughs) And so when I had to teach spelling class, it was so intimidating until I asked another teacher who was really good at it. I was like, can you come in my classroom like two afternoons a week and teach spelling for me? And I'll watch you and then I'll learn. And so after two years of this teacher coming in my classroom, teaching spelling for me, I finally learned and felt confident to do that. And so that's what we hear from parents too, that this is something, you know, these are subjects that they've never been trained in as, you know, as well. And we're like, that's okay. Pull up a chair and learn alongside your child. And that's the reason why we do all of the teaching 
for the parents so that they can feel confident that, you know what, even if I have very little understanding of this topic, I can learn right alongside my child. I love that. I think that's so, so important. And going back to what you had said about the college students, I think an important note to make is we have to let our kids go at some point. We have to, you know, there's there's going to be a time where they have a smartphone and there are not parental controls on it, or there's a video game console and they're in their dorm room and they're just going to have access. They need that equipping at home. I mean, we're kind of fools to think that they're just going to somehow come home without, you know, after their freshman year with still maintaining a slight sense of a biblical worldview if we did not teach them those foundational truths of, of truths, feelings, um, of all of that. So I think that's such a, a key factor is we have to do that prep work beforehand because we're not always going to be there with them. There is going to be that time where they have to really discern and ask and take responsibility. I love what you said about that, that being that side effect, sort of that extra benefit that you didn't even know was going to be there. Because right now you see a lot of children, and I'm sure you hear the stories, they don't care. They feel like Google gives me all the answers. I don't really care about education. Oh, yes. And I mean, in some ways, you know, we even adults can be really lazy in that too. It's like, oh, well, you know, I just press down the power button and ask Siri, you know, this question where it's like, but do we really have this desire to know what is true? And so if we can start, you know, when they're young, developing in them a hunger for learning what is true and helping them understand their responsibility in that, you know, we can really help them, you know, there, there is going to be, there's going to be some battle there because it's part of our sin nature. We want to be lazy, but in helping them understand the value in learning to seek truth. Well, I know you have a ton of great resources. You talked about your curriculum. Um, I've also listened to a lot of your podcasts. I thought they were fantastic. I went back and listened to some older ones. The question that I'm always asked a lot about, I listened to the full one of, of, of the biblical worldview and witches and witchcraft, because a lot of people have questions like, you know, Narnia and Tolkien versus Harry Potter and you know, all of those. And I thought you did a fantastic job. So I just want to point people to your podcast, as well as the curriculum. Like I said, you have so many great resources. Do you have anything um, else that is kind of in the works that we can be looking forward to? Yes, God has been so kind in helping us just kind of expand what we're able to produce. And so um, we're not sure the exact release date of this yet, but sometime in the fall of 2023, we're going to be releasing our first picture book for kids. Oh, and awesome. it's going to be, yeah, <laughs> it's going to be on truth. Um, so, you know, talking all about truth versus not truth, you know, and then later on, um, potentially in the late fall, our second picture book on the truth and feelings. And so we're just really excited to be able to provide, you know, these basic foundational truths in really easy and engaging ways. So really looking forward to that. And just as a little plug for limiting screen time and smartphone time, the illustrator for these books, her name is Miranda Duncan, and she just graduated from high school and her parents, uh, she still does not have a cell phone. <laughs> She's not on social media. Oh, um, I love her she does already. Have she does have, yeah, she just does have an art Instagram account where she posts mm -hmm. um, her art, but she is a phenomenal artists. Like we're so excited because her illustrations are really going to bring kids in. And it's just encouraging and amazing to see, you know, all this time that she has not spent texting friends or scrolling on social media. She has been developing this God given talent and she's using it now to help children understand the concept of truth. So really excited for that. 
Praise God. That's fantastic. I feel like there's going to be a book giveaway in our future, Kelly. I, I don't know. know. I think I was, I was also thinking, I now know what I'm going to be giving for every baby shower. I'm adding it yeah. to my list. Every baby shower, I always give books. So now I have a new one to throw in that mix. That's awesome. Well, Elizabeth, we can't thank you enough for sharing your wisdom for what just being obedient to the call that God has put on your life. I know that it can be difficult when it's not exactly what you had planned, but praise the Lord, glory to Him, that there has been so much fruit from it and that He is using you in amazing ways. It's beautiful to see. And we just thank you for coming on and sharing your wisdom with us. No, oh, thanks so much for having me on. It's just been a joy to chat with you ladies today. So, so good, so encouraging, and so needed. Y'all, listen, if you're sending your kids to public school, and I know a lot of us, that's our option. We don't have the option for a private school, or we don't have the option to homeschool. If your kids are going to public school, Foundation Worldview Curriculum is a great way to instill a biblical worldview and set your kids up with the tools they need to counter false ideas that they're going to hear at the public school. We really cannot expect our kids to learn all of this in 45 minutes at Sunday school while you're at church. It takes more training and more equipping, especially in our current culture. Not only that, Elizabeth's curriculum is perfect because you'll be able to learn right alongside your kids. So don't think you have to have it all figured out to start this before you can begin teaching your child about biblical worldview or even just thinking biblically about different ideas. But at the same time, if you are homeschooling or even if you're sending your kids to a private school, Foundation Worldview content will set your child up for great success. Maybe you have teens and you're like, oh, this isn't really useful for me. But hey, maybe you have grandchildren. Maybe there's nieces or nephews, friends with younger kids. Share this resource. You know, we're not affiliated with Foundation Worldview. We just absolutely love their ministry and we love what they offer the body of Christ. So go to foundationworldview.com to learn more. Okay, that's all we have time for this week. Make sure you are subscribed to the podcast so you don't miss when the next one comes out. We have another amazing interview next week. You don't want to miss it. All right, friends, until next week, go and be brave. <laughs>